You are listening to Cornelia Church. Passion for God, compassion for people. You know, I was super excited that today was the end of fasting, and then Kenneth's like, joke, keep fasting. <laughs> Is anyone else excited about that? So excited. Hey, uh, I get the opportunity to finish up our series of Created to Give. Um, and before we go jump into it, I'm going to pray. Um, last service, I offended about four different people groups. Um, and so I'm going to do my best this service to keep it a little controlled. But before I get into the actual message, um, I was thinking about, uh, the, I was thinking this morning about the triumphal entry, Jesus coming into Jerusalem. Um, this is the day we all know as Palm Sunday. And most of the stories that we hear about Palm Sundays is about the disciple, Jesus riding in on the donkey, the disciples throwing their cloaks on the ground, them waving the palm branches, and them singing, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And it's a glorious moment of celebration for the disciples. But if you've ever read the story out of Luke, that's not the full picture. The next part of that is um, Jesus goes in, and so you can read this in Luke chapter 19, verse 41, and I'm going to read it here in a second, but it's Jesus, after all of the celebration, is approaching now the Mount of Olives, and he sees the city of Jerusalem, and he begins to weep, and it says this in Luke, when Jesus caught sight of the city, he burst into tears with uncontrollable weeping over Jerusalem saying, if you only could recognize that this day, this day of peace is within your reach, but you cannot see it. And Jesus is weeping over them. And, you know, this morning, I want to, to remind you that we need a people that recognize it. We need, a, we need to be a people that see what God is doing. Don't you want to be a person to seize what God is trying to do in your life? This series that we've been talking about of the gener- uh, giving a life of giving, right? You're created to give. I believe the Lord, I mean, he's been speaking to me about how I look at my finances, how I look at my resources, and he's driving it a little deeper into my heart. And I hope this, I hope you're getting it. I hope you're seeing what the Lord is trying to do. He doesn't want your money, he wants your heart. He wants you to be singular in heart. And the second part of this story, I believe that the Holy Spirit illuminated to me this morning, is that Jesus was weeping for the people that didn't get it. My prayer for the church is that our hearts would begin to be restored of weeping for those who don't get it. Weeping for those who are lost. And I don't know about you, but I take the the invitation of bringing people to church, sharing the gospel, I share that seriously, because my heart is sad for those who don't get it. And I, bl- I hope that the church is weeping in their prayers for the lost. And so with that, I'm going to pray. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to speak. Father, guard my mouth because you know that it can get loose at times. I pray, Father, that I would be a blessing this morning. And so, Father, would you fill me with all the right words? But I know ultimately, no matter what I say, that the Spirit is speaking to us as well. 
And so, Father, I pray that we would be a people, including myself, of people who hear and see what you're trying to do. Father, help us to not be a a deaf, blind uh, people group, God. Help us to be soft to what you're trying to do. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'm going to continue created to give. Our main passage for this has been Genesis 12, 2. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. This seed, this promise that was planted in Abraham is the same seed that is alive in the new covenant, the one that Jesus fulfills and offers to us as well. The last four weeks, we've been going through this, this, this series and God wants to do something special in your life. He wants you to reap a harvest that is different from the ones that continue down our family lines. Week one, we talked to Pastor Candace kicked off the series, and she, you guys remember what she talked about? She talked about the two pathways of life, those that serve themselves and those who submit to God, and one actually brings a heavier weight than the other, and the ways of God is better than the ways of ourselves. And then Pastor Andrew came in, and he talked about the tithe. You guys remember that? About the, the, trust, the trust test. And as we trust the Lord, right? And he talked about the king of Sodom and uh, the king of Melchizedek, right? The two different things there and, and how we can put our trust in the Lord. Week three, Pastor Andrew came. He talked about now we can serve the Lord with our resources. And the truth is, is that who we choose to serve is the only true freedom we do have. And today I'm going to finish by saying the same things they all said. (laughs) By saying this, trust God. His ways are better than yours. And you can trust him. I'm actually going to jump back to Genesis chapter 1. And I'm going to be talking about when we're created to give, we're created to multiply. And this back in chapter one, well, let's read it together, okay? If you have your Bibles, the Version app, or you're on our church center app, uh, that is probably already up for you. And look it, also on the screen, lucky you guys. So Genesis chapter one, what are they, they start in verse 27. I'm going to start in verse 26. I updated my notes and didn't tell them. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that he may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and all the living creatures that move on the ground. Then God said, I will give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. This, uh, they will be yours for food in all uh, and all, to all the beasts and the earth and earth, the earth and the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food, and so it was. If you're familiar with this account, it talks about Jesus, or excuse me, God creating the world, and different every single day he would finish by saying, and it was good. 
after he creates man, you know what he says? It was very good. And it was very good because God gave us everything that man could desire. He filled his life with purpose. One, to to bear his image. Two, to be fruitful and multiply. And then ultimately to have dominion and rule over the world. But in Genesis 3, if you're familiar with the passage, we we go and we see that man was irresponsible with the things that God gave him. And because man was irresponsible with these things, that now sin has distorted the very promise in which God has brought. We see that man rebelled against God and say, I don't want God's way, I want my way. And that began to twist the very promise that God had for man. Every, even God's image, right, was distorted within us. Children, childbirth, the resources of the ground became difficult. And we became slaves rather than sons. And we see this, and even in the, the next chapter, we see them actually, after the curse, they actually go and they begin to walk in some of the promise. They begin to multiply. They have two sons named uh, Cain and Abel. Have you guys heard this story before? It's interesting in this story that after man fell and decided to do his own way, he multiplied. He, the promise was still alive. It was just now distorted by sin. And now you have these two sons that are coming and bring an offering before the Lord. <laughs> they bring an offering before the Lord, and one was accepted and one wasn't. And it goes forward, and it says that now Cain was jealous of his brother Abel because the Lord accepted what he offered him. And because of that jealousy, because the Lord didn't see it the same way that Cain saw it, he goes on to murder his brother. And so here we see the fruit of multiplication now distorted by sin. The thing that was supposed to be God's way, now there's an internal pull that's saying, no, I wanted my way. And we begin to see the very promise of God having a cloud over it. (laughs) And what was supposed to be a blessing actually became a curse because we now have mankind choosing their way over God's way. And the key note that I want you guys to hear today is this. Sin didn't prevent the blessing of multiplication. It distorted it. You will multiply. But what you multiply will be based on your response and trust in God. Thank you, Jesus, that he's given us the ability not to be slaves anymore. That's what the resurrection's all about. We can now become sons of God. The problem is, is that we still choose our way. And so we have the promise of God here with us, yet we still continue to do the things the way, the way Adam did them, did them. And yes, there's grace in the mess, but let me tell you this, sometimes the grace is consequence. Sometimes grace is the fruit of what you're uh, doing in the flesh. And that very grace is showing you this, your way is not as good as God's way. And today the Lord wants to restore a church that says, Father, your way is better than my way. And the very thing that we talk about today in finances and resources and all these things that can be reproduced in our lives, we want to say, God, your way is the best way. And as you begin to trust him, 
you'll begin to see the kingdom of God manifested internally and externally. God's character will actually start becoming your character, right? He'll start to redeem some of this stuff like time. He'll redeem it. He won't only redeem it, he'll accelerate it. He'll begin, you'll begin to see fruit in your family and the thing that, was, that you always failed at, well, now God will be filling in the gaps for you. Your workplace, right, won't just become another burden on your life, but it'll become a mission field. Your bank account will actually reflect it as well. When you begin to honor God, when you begin to trust the Lord internally and externally, things will begin to change. The problem is, is that we're not patient and, and hold on to it in faith. I, I wrote a, uh, at the very beginning of this word, Pastor Andrew asked a couple of us, hey, would you get a, a prophetic word for the church? So I prayed that week and the Lord gave me this. And for those of you in that service, you've heard this before, but I wanted to remind you about the word because I think it's so appropriate and applicable to what we're speaking about here. And the word is this, God wants a different harvest for your life. The very things and the very uh, traditions and uh, dysfunctions that have been in our family line for so long, he wants to break them and he wants you to have different fruit. And that can happen. And so I wrote this word and it's on your notes. So if you want to take a screenshot, the thing about the prophetic is that it's something that God puts into motion, but we also have to grab a hold of it. And so even though it's true and ultimately God will bring his word forth, the manifestation and the fruit of it in our life is going to depend on are we grabbing it with faith. And so let me read it over to you one more time and let me inspire and begin to dig up and stir up that faith within you. So this is the word. I see a fresh tilled field ready for planting. Previously, this field was hardened and the field had a question over it. What will you choose to do with it? This freshly tilled ground represents the miraculous work of the Lord. The ground was once hardened and overrun with fear, rebellion, sickness, loneliness, and anger. But the Lord has broken those things over your life. This ground has been broken to show you the willingness and kindness of, God, of the Lord. He desires to give you hope for a different harvest than the one you are familiar with. God wants to redeem the land both internally and externally. He, want, he has presented the opportunity for a different harvest. The choice is set before us. I see the old desolate field becoming a great harvest of eternal blessings. Sow seeds of courage, seeds of obedience, seeds of compassion, seeds of forgiveness, and seeds of surrender, as sowing your resources in a land that was once dead is scary, but the Lord will reward your faith. The man who is able to plant in faith will change the course of his family lines. Now this is the time for planting. After there will be a time of waiting. The waiting will be the hardest part. To be patient in the waiting will affect the harvest. Trust the Lord. Diligently plant your life in obedience to the Lord. Plant, wait, and expect an abundant harvest. Come on, isn't that something you want? Isn't that something you want to do? This, this thought is a biblical thought of sowing and reaping. In Galatians 6, it says, Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. A man reap what he sows. 
Whatever he sows to please their flesh, from the flesh he will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit he will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. Let us not give up. Let us be patient. For the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Do not give up. Hold on to the word that the Lord has planted in us. Now, in the context of finances, if Jesus were here today, I believe that he would speak to the American people about finances. You know why I think that? Because the American people, us, we have not been faithful with the resources that God has given us. The very thing that was supposed to be a blessing in our lives has now multiplied in debt, greed, and materialism. And the Lord wants to change that. He wants to every, everyone, all the social gaps to be uh, different than what it was. To hunger, to multiply in the, in the right way and not the destructive way. And if you don't believe me, I have a video that will help a little bit more to understand how Americans have been with our finances and our resources. Go ahead and play that video. There are 10 million millionaires in the world. Five million of them live in the United States. At least 80% of humanity lives on less than $10 a day. And the rest of us find ourselves somewhere in the middle. And people routinely list money issues as a primary concern and a massive stress inducer in their lives. We're skeptical about organizations that ask for our money. We're nervous about not being able to have stuff when we really want it. And we believe wholeheartedly in allowing ourselves and our kids to live like everyone else. But here's the latest on everyone else. The most conservative estimates regarding the average credit card debt per household is, this is not including car loans and school loans, 14000 $743. And in all the 609.8 million credit cards held by U.S. consumers, the total U.S. consumer debt is $2.43 trillion. It doesn't take long for us to begin wondering about whether we own our stuff or our stuff, or more accurately, our creditors own us. Eventually, we come to the conclusion that money isn't a money issue. It's a hard issue. Suddenly we find ourselves in a situation in which our lives are owned by a credit card company. All of our stuff, all those things filling our garage, begin to cause in us a kind of captivity we never imagined. We want to get a handle on our financial situation and create a legacy for our own kids so they avoid some of our same pitfalls. But that's just us, right? Our assumption is that people who have a lot of money don't really worry all that much about it. But even the wealthiest among us worry about money. Forbes recently published that over 60% of people whose worth is valued at over $5 million worry about money, particularly about teaching their kids how to manage it. It would be safe to say that people are concerned about managing their money in the present and securing their financial legacy for the future. For all of us, we'll need to learn the timeless, Bible-based notion of honoring God first with all that we have, becoming the generous people we'd hoped to become, and that somewhere in the redirection of our hearts, we'll find the freedom we'd hoped. For some of us, we'll want to know how to manage our wealth, providing for our families, and learning how to join God in His work now. So, what do we do? Now that video <clears throat> is about 10 years old, and so I'm sure things haven't gotten better. <laughs> and the question there is, what do we do? How do we stop this? 
How do we stop from multiplying the sin in which we have taken the resources that God has blessed us with and given us? And how do we stop making that into something that's a curse, rather, uh, uh, make it into a curse that when it should be a blessing? You know, and the, the answer is to choose God's way and not our way. Abraham, who is known as the father of faith, decides to do different things than what his family generational his generational lines told him to do. He received the word of the Lord in faith, and you know what? How when you know what happened when he received that word in faith? It just didn't bless his life. It affected generations after him. Because of what Abraham did by trusting the Lord, it became now Isaac and Jacob's promise. You can change your family lines by how we decide to adjust and respond to the Lord today. I want to change and make different some of the things that I've been passed on to me, that have been passed on to me. And the way we do that is trusting the Lord. Could you guys turn with me in math, turn to Matthew chapter 25, um, verse 14. This is going to be kind of the main text in which I'm going to give some qualities and attributes um, that we can do. And I'm going to say this. You guys are pretty quiet. I hear my buddy Stacy over here shouting me down a little bit. And there's something about when people are just saying, if something is said that's good, and I hear an amen, that stirs up the gift inside of me a little bit more. All right? And so there you go. Thank you, Jason. And so when I say something good, if you guys want a better preacher up here, you got to participate with me. All right? <laughs> Thank you. There it goes. <laughs> that was, I just needed to, my ego to be scratched a little bit. And this, and so, but also, I want to know that you're here with me, guys. What I'm saying really matters right? And what I'm talking about isn't some just big dream that I have. It's things that I've seen personally in my life when I've responded to the Lord, when I said, yes, Father, whatever you want. I've seen that manifested in my life, both inside my heart and also externally outside. And I preach this today because I want a people that are, I want to help people get singular in their heart towards the Lord. I preach this today so that I would be more singular in my heart towards the Lord. And it's very easy to see. You don't have to be very intelligent. You don't even have to be very observant uh, to observe very well that America has a problem. We have a problem with how we handle our finances and what we do with those and how we honor the Lord with those because we haven't done a good job. Matthew 25. If you guys need to know the context of this, there's chapters 24 through 25. Is This is the last week of Jesus here on earth. And what he does is that he begins to preach some of his best messages, some of his most offensive messages. And there's three parables in these two chapters that essentially get his disciples to, he's saying this to his disciples, be watchful, be ready, and, be, and work faithfully. Be watchful, be ready, and work faithfully. And so this is a very famous passage about the talents. And so verse 14, for it'll be like a man who is going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted them his property. To the one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away 
He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five more. So also he had uh, who, he who had the two talents made two, uh, two more talents, but he who received the one talent went, dug it in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled the accounts with them. And he who had uh, received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered uh, to me five talents. Here I have made you five, more, uh, five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and I will set you over much. So enter into the joy of your master." And as uh, and he is also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered me the two talents. Here I made you uh, two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Um, you have you have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Each into the joy of your ma- uh, excuse me. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew that you were a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed, so I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent. Here you have what, here, have what is yours. But, at, but his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap, if you knew where I reaped, where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed, um, then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. At my coming, I, I should have received what was my, my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who had the 10 talents. For everyone who has more be given, and he, who, uh, he with an abun- will have an abundance." From, and, but from the one who has not, even what he has taken, what, even what he has will be taken away, and, ca- and cast to the wor- cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness, um, in place in a place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I want to be clear in this parable that just because you're not faithful with the resources God has given you doesn't necessarily mean that you'll end up in hell. It would be very irresponsible for me to preach a doctrine like that coming from a parable. Many times in Scripture, that's the same, some of the same phrases or illustrations can be used for different things. I don't think that hell is what it's being talked about, but maybe. I will say this. I will say, if you're not faithful with the resources that God has given you, there's really not a good outcome with that. <laughs> and that's what we could end in that, in that passage. What I want to do is help you, have some, help you understand some of the characteristics and attributes that are in this story that we could begin to practice so that we become trustworthy sowers, trustworthy planters. And the very first one that I want to share with you is this, ownership correction. Look with me in verse 14. I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Whose servants were they? Open book exam, his. Okay? Whose money was it? His. 
Before that we can be a generous people, we have to get ownership correct because ownership confusion leads to arrogance. I went to one of the local high schools. I won't say which one because I'm not trying to offend anybody. (laughs) And in this high school, we would see some kids um, that would roll up in some really nice cars. Mostly those really nice lifted trucks, right? Teenage kids with these $60,000 trucks. And they get out of the cars, right? And they get out and they just have this strut about them. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I'm not bitter, by the way. Um, they, have the, they have the strut about them, right? And while they're thinking, look at me, look what I got. You know what the rest of the people are thinking? Look, look what daddy gave you. Yeah. Right? And the idea is the same way we walk around like that too. We walk around with our bank accounts, our money, and do what we want with them. And we like to show people, look what I have. The truth is, is that's, that's the fathers. That's the fathers. And until we understand, until we understand that ultimately everything that I have is the Lord's, we'll always walk in arrogance. You can be right? A faithful tither and still be disobedient and greedy. We walk around with this attitude saying, God, I'll give, I'm going to give back to you. I'll, I'll, I'll go serve for you. And all these phrases are saying this, what I have is mine and I'm giving back to you. Wasn't this the rich young ruler's problem? He knew how to do all the things. He knew how to be a good person. He knew all the religious stuff. But there was something in his heart that he refused to give to the Lord. And even though I, I, I don't want to put any pressure on you to give a certain amount, because that's not what I'm talking about here. What I am talking about is that we can practice some, some principles and still have a hard heart towards God. What we need to do is step back and say, God, yeah, I'll practice these principles. But ultimately, everything I have is yours. I'm soft to whatever. You want me to give something? I'll give it. And staying soft in our hearts towards that is so important if you want to be a faithful sower. The second part is, is that we need to have a heavenly perspective. Our view on resources should be viewed through heaven, a heavenly perspective. Look at verse 21. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with what? Few things. Small things. If you've ever studied this passage, you know that a talent was worth about 20 years of income. What would you do with 20 years worth of income in your life right now? Then times that by five, times that by two. You don't even need to do that, just times it by one. And what does the the master say? It's few things to me. And our perspective needs to switch And when we begin to allow us to switch, you know, I I believe a lot of this anxiety and fear in our lives is because we have disproportioned value with God versus other things. That the dollar has become more than. A couple weeks ago, uh, I, I met someone who lost their job. And they lost their job, and a, me and a couple other guys had an opportunity to minister to this person. So we started to pray over them. And as we prayed over them, we just had this kind of the, the whole group of guys that was ministering kind of had this, the same thought that, that don't be fearful of where the money comes from. Trust in the Lord. 
And the truth is, is that so many times it's so, it's just, it's, it's normal, right? If you lose your job, of course you're going to think about how I'm going to pay my bills. And so the anxiety and the worry, that's real stuff, right? But at the same time, it's because of the value of the dollar versus what we're trusting with God. And I want to say this, even if you're in the same position this morning, not knowing how I'm going to pay the bills or how I'm going to do this, this is a gr- there's a great opportunity before you. Because as you begin to trust the Lord with little, he will be faithful in showing, showing himself to you. He will provide the needs. And we have to be careful that we, not, we don't pass over these or we minimize these opportunities and we think that it's all about the power of the dollar. Ultimately, our job is to honor the Lord whatever season that we're in. And a heavenly perspective is placing those dollar, those dollar amounts, that money, in the right view. When you compare God to the dollar, God to money, it's incomparable. Listen, if you're going to blow it financially, as a Christian, you should be willing to blow it by trusting God than trying to hold on to pennies. Jesus goes before, they're, they're at the synagogue, and um, he's teaching his disciples on what it means to, to live for God and to have your heart set on him. And they're watching, actually, the, a tithe take place. And so the Pharisee goes up, and he drops this load of money up front. And then followed behind the Pharisee is this little widow. And the widow says that she brought, brings up two mites, two little pennies, and drops them in there. And he turns to his disciples, and he says, today that woman gave more than the Pharisee, gave more than anyone else gave. Why? Because she gave out her lack. She gave everything to the Lord. She trusted God with everything that she had. And if we're going to be people who are faithful sowers, we have to trust the Lord with everything that we have. And we need to place the proper value of the dollar when it comes to the kingdom of God. And this isn't me trying to manipulate you into giving. This is me calling you out as your pastor saying, don't let this in your heart. Don't value it more than the Lord because the Lord is actually doing something no matter what season that you're in. If you're in a season of much or little, the Lord wants your heart and he wants you to trust him. And so as we begin to trust him, we'll see that kingdom of God manifest itself in our lives. The last one is this, is that before we can truly be a generous people, we have to make sure that our view of God is the right one. We cannot have a distorted view. We need to have a restored view of God's character. Look in verse, starting in verse 24. He came to the guy who had the one talent and he buried it. Why? Because I knew you as a hard man. And because I knew you as a hard man, I was afraid. Listen, releasing your things will be dictated on how you see God. And if we always think that the Lord is trying to put us in bad positions or you, uh, even if you're at a place right now, you question everything I said because of a bad experience you had. Maybe somebody manipulated you. Maybe you had bad parents. Maybe this principle never really took root in your life and someone took advantage of you. Whatever it is that it's been projected on God and now you think I got to hold on tight to whatever I have because if I let it go, then I'm not going to get back. There's no way that God wants to bless me like the pastor 
pastor is saying up there. There's no way that God wants to restore generational dysfunctions and to have a different harvest. That's just not for me. And you'll never be able to step into this blessing until the Lord, until you step forward and ask God to restore the view that you have towards God. Questioning the character of God goes back, you're not the first one to do it, it goes back to Genesis. Adam and Eve now have everything that they need. God say, now be responsible with what I've given you. Go and live in blessing. And the serpent comes along and says, did God say that? Should you do things the way he said? Maybe it's because he doesn't want you to have the same type of power that he has. And began to question the very character and nature, uh, character of God. And that led to ultimate rebellion, ultimately to a rebellion. Listen, God isn't angry. He actually says in that passage, when, the, when, the, when the, the servants come back after they have been faithful and good, responsible with what the Lord has given, what does he say? He blesses them and he says, now come enter into what? Happiness. Come enter in, in my happiness together. And he pr- promotes them from servants into rulers. Right? He says, you've been faithful with the little stuff. Now here, I'm going to come put you in charge of many things. We need to be restored in that way. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, he, com- he says, command those who are rich in, uh, in this present world, which is us. Americans are rich. If you don't think so, uh, yes, you are. Uh, do not be arrogant, nor, nor put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Wealth is so uncertain, it's so fleeting, it's so quickly to dissolve, but put their hope in God, who richly provides uh, us with everything for our enjoyment. This is the heart of the Father. He's trying to bless you for what? Your enjoyment. But you have to be positioned in a way to truly take a hold of that. Look what it finishes, it says in the, the last verse. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation of the coming age. So why? So that they may take a hold of what life is, that it, the, what is truly life. This is the heart of the Father. This is why he wants you to release the very things that you're holding on tight tight to so that you would experience life and you'd experience the true life. That is not the slave, but is the son. That's not the curse, but is the blessing. And so when we choose, right, to trust the Lord, it begins to release these things. It's painful at first. Just like childbirth, I, well, I can't speak from experience. <laughs> I've witnessed it. It looks pretty painful. There's some sounds that come out of women that are, haunt me at night, okay? <laughs> Not my wife, though. She did great. <laughs> but I'm saying this, is that at first, when you begin to, say, incorporate these things, there are some painful things that you may have to walk through. But ultimately, it's for your joy, it's for your peace, it's for your good. And we can trust the Lord. And so we can refuse to take that step, but we'll always experience lack thereof or death. But if we choose to say, God, here, here's what I have. Ah, oh, it's painful. 
I'm not sure about this. I have a little bit of doubt, but I'm going to trust it anyways. And as you begin to do that, right, you'll step into what true life is about. Um, we're going to end here. I'm going to let you guys out a little early. I'm going to invite whoever's supposed to end on the music to make me sound more holy. Uh, please come on up and do that. But as you guys rise to your feet, I'm going to pray for you. And just like I said before, when we're faithful with the things that God has given us, then we move from not just trusting him, but he trusts us. I want to be trusted by God. I want God to look at me and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Here's double what you had. Here's more enjoyment that you ever thought you could walk into. Here's more authority than you ever thought you would have. Because why? Because you've been faithful with what I've given you. And let me tell you this, your effectiveness in the kingdom of God has nothing to do with, with the, your, your giftings or anything like that. It has to do with you being trustworthy and faithful with what God is giving you. And when you're faithful and, and he can trust you, you'll begin to see a release in your life, a release of authority in the spiritual realm that you never thought you could have. Amen. You'll affect generations. You'll leave a mark and a legacy on your family that will not be removed. Why? Because we are choosing God's way and not our way. That's him calling you guys right now to pay attention. The Lord is ringing in your hearts right at this moment. And so, Lord, we're going to answer that call by praying for you guys. Lord, thank you so much for what you're doing and that you're a generous God. Thank you, Father, that we can be givers. I pray, Father, that our, our minds would go from being principled and disciplined and religious to people that are full of gratitude, Lord. Let the generosity of the church begin to arise from deep within us, God. Let it not to just be a head knowledge, Father, that we do in discipline, but let it be a thing that we find joyful and something we want to participate in because we have more than enough. And so God, I pray that every person in this room that may have a distorted view of who you are, God, I pray that as we pray this prayer, God, that they would invite you to restore that, God, that they would begin to take the steps, the steps of faith to trust you. And so, God, restore that in the church today. Restore that in the individuals today, God. Drive this principle and this thing deep down within our souls so that it comes out naturally and it's not something that is painful for us, but it's a joy for us. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. Help us. Our hands are open to you, Lord. Our hands are open to you, God. Everything we have is yours. So far, let that be shifted in our hearts as we leave out of this room today. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the message, and we hope to see you on a Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Visit us online at casinghamford.com, and if you want to support our ministry, click Give. Cornelia Church, passion for God, compassion for people.